0: What to make of Bloody Moon, also known as the Bloody Moon Murders, in German, Die Sieg der Dutz, which is uh, literally titled The Sore of Death. At its heart, it's another one of the many Euro slashers that litter the Vizio Nasties list. Certainly, it sets its stall out early as wanting to be very similar to noted horror Halloween. But there is more to this slash than meets the eye. At its helm is noted filmmaker, Jesus J- Jess Franco. A man whose work is on the nasties list not once, not twice, but three times. All in different genres too. Even if those genres are women in prison, a cannibal movie, and this, an American style slasher. That all adds to a very particular style, and the very particular man, that was Jess Franco. Your kiss is cold and icy as death. Your embrace deep as the night. He wants to kill me too. Bloody moon. Summer nights filled with horror. A killer whose lust for blood will stop at nothing. Nights of blood. Nights of terror that will leave you breathless. Young girls in search of love and adventure become the prey of a bloodthirsty killer. <gasps> now you'll be mine. Oh, let me let, <laughs> I'm dying to sleep with him. I can't wait till tonight. I wish you were here now. Fear will grip you on this holiday of terror. A dream vacation becomes a nightmare. <laughs> Bloody Moon, a film you won't soon forget. Bloody Moon. This German horror film directed by Jesus Franco and released in 1981 was written by Eric Tark- Tomic known for working on Contamination, which we spoke about a few weeks ago. And it stars Olivia Pascal, who was best known at the time for a 1977 softcore porn film, Vanessa. We are right in exploitation territory here, though. The fact that the producer was Wolf C. Hartwig, known more for films like Confessions of a 6 Form Girl, Cross of Iron and Fourteen and Under, which is from 1973. Uh, it's a sexploitation comedy film that includes a mother accidentally discovering that spanking her, well, pre-teen girl, uh, appears to reawaken the waning sexual interest of a boyfriend in her, which she exploits. <laughs> and when the mother later finds that his sexual interest extends to the daughter as well, she blackmails into marrying her. Um, let's put it this way, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you, uh, you Google for 14 and under. God knows what the law would make of films carrying such topics these days. Our story is about a man called Miguel. He's a young bloke with a horribly disfigured face. He attempts to trick a girl into having sex by pretending to be somebody else. When this fails, he brutally hacks up the young woman with a pair of scissors. And then after his crimes, He is institutionalised at a mental asylum for five years. When his sentence is finished, he's released into care of his sister, Manuela. Along with their invalid aunt, his incestuous sister, Manuela, operates a boarding school for young women called Europe International Youth Club Boarding School of Languages on the Spanish resort of Costa del Sol. Miguel becomes intrigued they infatuated by angela a long-haired brunette whom he first saw on the train ride from the sanatorium and he starts to follow her around in quite a creepy manner miguel meets with manuela to request that they begin to resume their incestuous relationship but she reminds him that with this relationship they made made him, was something that made him emotionally unstable And she says, you can't be a couple because no one understands them. If if we could get rid of everyone, then things could go back to the way they were. Ange's friends begin to get killed one by one. One is skewered while topless with a 12-inch knife. Another is coerced by a romantic and mass Spaniard, who who bizarrely uh, insists on tying her up in an abandoned lumber mill which she believes to be kinky, and then uh, decapitates her with a power saw. Uh, a young boy is run over with a, a Mercedes, and uh, in a very grisly image, uh, a friend is strangled by sm- fa- smouldering fire, fire, uh, fire tongs. No one really believes Angela that the killer is, is, is on the loose though, as the girls go missing but bodies don't turn up. In the end, she turns to people who run the school and try and find help and we discover exactly what is going on. Never loved the only one who's never laughed at me you've never been afraid of me like the others love me love me like you did before we shouldn't no matter how much we want a draft. Remember how it was before? You haven't forgotten what happened after that? What took place after the last time? Stop it. For five years I've won't let us love each other it's that don't you see it's everybody that's around us staring at us and judging us i'm so afraid again i'm terribly frightened if we could just get rid of everyone around us then things could be as they were the movie is kind of a a bit of a mixture of things really it's a bit of Italian giallo, American slasher, and a hefty dose of Euro sleaze, in particular, making the most of its setting. It's a, it's a language school, but it, it, it decides to be all, just for all girls. For people who are interested in Jess Franco, it's an interesting introduction to her director. In, particularly, in particular, it's an impressive gore scene, uh, that decapitation that I mentioned by a circular saw. Although many unaccustomed to his fondness for mutiny will find a mix of sex and violence, perhaps a little tough to swallow. And few will enjoy seeing a snake being decapitated for little reason in the story, and it all appears to be all too very real in the way it's been done. It's all very cheesy, and indeed quite sleazy. But then, it's only one of eight films he directed in 1981 alone. He teamed up with writer Atomic alone in that film of that year once again, for a softcore porno, Linda. So Franco appears at first, then, to be a bit of a Euro-sleeve monster, Indeed, um, the, my first instruction to him was through the film *Vampirella's Lesbos*, which is a film better better known for its psychedelic nineteen seventies soundtrack, really, than any, than, than its storyline. Although it's um, it has some uh, it, again, it's uh, it has a, a quite a heavy mix of vampirism and <laughs> and and sex. But I'll be fair to Franco. There is more to him than that. Born Jesus Franco Manera in May 1930 in Madrid. He died on April the 2nd of this year. A director, screenwriter, cinematographer and actor. He managed to get more than 160 directing credits for his films. The IMDB says 199, but because of the way he made films and they were changed, you know, he he, he made the film and it was changed to such an extent they could lash a different title on it and it would be called a different film. His career took off in 1961, with his cult classic The Awful Dr. Orlov, which received wide distribution in the US and in the UK. He had some American box office success with Necronomicon from 1967, 99 Women from 68 and his two Christopher Lee films, The Bloody Judge and Count Dracula. He never achieved wide commercial success, though it's fair to say. Franco moved from Spain to France in 1970 so he could make more violent and sexual films, and it was at this point that his career began to go downhill commercially. He turned to low budget filmmaking, and he had, his work became, he had an even heavier accent on adult movies. He produced, to be fair, a number of well-received low-budget horror films in the early 70s, which is part of the reason why he's so loved today. Dracula vs Frankenstein, vampirus Lesbos, and A Virgin Amongst the Living Dead. Many people in the industry considered him a porn director, due to the large number of X-rated adult movies he'd made That Franky returned to low-budget horror in a brief comeback period in the 80s, in the, uh, early 80s anyway, 1982-83 including this film which it kind of sits in that kind of period of his life he also did Mondo Cannibal and Oasis of the Zombies but and The Devil Hunter which we'll discuss at a later date which is also on the nasties list. But after 1983 uh, his career took a second downward turn as he returned to pornographic films. he's a man who worked under many pseudonyms including David Kuhn and Frank Holman You see, Franco was a big fan of jazz and a musician himself, so many of the pseudonyms were taken from famous jazz musicians such as Clifford Howard, James P. Johnson In 1970 he took a 17 year old Lena Romney, under his wing and she became his muse and it was, it was Franco that made her, made her a star they were partners for decades, and were officially married on the twenty fifth of April, two thousand and eight. She died in twenty twelve, taken by cancer. But Romy was definitely his most utilised actress, as well as his life companion. But what about Franco himself, and the and the and his his own artwork? Franco's themes revolved around. The more extreme and explicit. And we said this film came from a a Grindhouse background. He likes, he literally likes stories about lesbian vampires, women in prison, surgical horror, sadomasochism, zombies, sexploitation, including several films based on the writings of the Marquis de Sade. As I said before, he was a man who enjoyed working in a variety of exploitation film genres, such as cannibal films, spy movies, jalo, crime films, science fiction, the jungle adventures and exorcist films, which were popular in the late 70s and early 80s, war movies, historical dramas, exploitation. It's an incredible number of films that he was able to do in his 160 motion pictures in his lifespan. Incredibly prolific. He was able to g- jump between genres with ease and bearing in mind as well, he had no particular financial backers. He made movies cause he loved them and he knew what would sell and what would work on the market. So obviously <coughs> we're going to look at films that, you know, we look at these films, they are a bit in the gutter sometimes. His sex films often came long under shops of nude women. His hardcore films starred his, li- his companion, Lena Romy, who admitted in interviews to being a bit of an exhibitionist. But Franco also had a fondness to try and make his films as real as possible. He used handheld cameras and zoom shots, which he felt lent realism to his films, movies which, to be fair, always and frequently had a very fantastical element to them. And he was a man that reveled in genre, and used genre actors such as Howard Vernon, Paul Muller, Christopher Lee, Soldad Miranda, and Klaus Klinski. And Klinski was famous for his hatred of directors, but Franco apparently said he never had a real problem with him. I think it's easy for people to kind of pull Franco down, but you have to bear in mind that, you know, he was a real man of, of, of celluloid. His CV ranged, admittedly, from pornography, but also included second-unit work for Orson Welles' Shakespeare project Crimes of Midnight from 1965. So maybe his love wasn't necessarily just for sex and violence, although he knew those things would be things that he could sell, but also love of the cinema itself and the, and, and the silver screen. Me too, don't you? Come, take me. I've been waiting so long. But what of this film, Bloody Moon? Well, it is effective in its gore. It is shocking in its nudity, and it's it's a little it's a little sleazy in its tone. There are some good slashes on the video nasties list. The Burn is one that sticks in the mind, although that is again leaps heavily into exploitation territory. And of the European slashes, Bloody Moon is probably one of the better ones. It's a film that has suffered from cuts for a long time until maybe five years ago when finally an uncut DVD was released. The sore of death that we see in particular is a scene that was being cut a a lot, Um, that's the, the decapitation scene. And yet it is clunky in terms of trying to work out why anybody would be so foolish as to get themselves tied to a bench by a man who you hadn't even seen the face of. But on the other hand it does deliver. Um, we're going to have to talk about a bit of uh, animal cruelty as we go along and there is a scene here that, that appears to be a snake being decapitated which is unpleasant and unfortunate and I, I don't like the way they did that back then but that's just the way it is unfortunately we have to deal with it but at the same time there's still something very fun and warming about the, about the films on offer here and I, I I like the idea of basically just running around <laughs> um, various dodgy locations and, and getting your kill scenes sorted out and going from there and it does definitely try and surprise you with a twist and um, it isn't like, you know, Halloween, where you know who the killer is from the start. It, it, it deliberately leads you down one path before surprising you with something else. And there's comedy here too as well. Um, a woman who tries to uh, impress her friends by faking having sex with, and, and then getting caught, which is uh, silly and uh, possibly a little bit overextended, but also a good bit of fun. So, in fairness to Franco, what he's created here is a is a fun ride, and one that um, possibly to a point deser- deserves its video Nasty's reputation. I think um, I can tell. Ta- well, let's go into it. It was cut by one minute and thirty eight seconds, was submitted by for cinema in nineteen eighty two. Those cuts were to the circular saw deaths, and also to lingering shots of naked murdered women. Interlight released two versions of the video in, uh, in 1982. One was cut and one was uncut. cut version was the same as the cinema release. Now the video was banned as the video Nasty though, in July of 83 and stayed on the list throughout the Panic. So it's one of the collectible DPP 39s. Um, I think you only have to look at the cover to get a grip on what's happening here. The front's pretty innocuous with a woman just screaming with a circular blade. Uh, Well, not that innocuous at that point, because they had a problem with power souls, but the back contains uh, an image of a naked woman with a stab wound and it's quite close with that. So you can see specifically what's happened to it. So I think um, I can understand why from their point of view, I mean, you just wouldn't see stuff like that beforehand. And I think in this case, it would um, certainly have drawn the attention of the authorities The movie was uh, re-released by Vipco in 1993 with 1 minute and 20 seconds of cuts. Um, It was the uh, Severin DVD release in 2008 which finally reinstated it into all its glory and um, that's certainly the release to get if you're looking for something. So it's an interesting film and uh, a fun one. We're going to have to talk about Franco's work a couple more times. Uh, with the devil hunter and women behind bars. Um, but until then, let's, uh, let's let's leave him and uh, at least now you can get a better idea for the man who sadly died earlier this month. How do you expect me to find Ava? I've only met her once in my life. At the bar last night. But what difference does that make? She's still missing. It makes a big difference. Anyhow, why should I look for someone I don't even know? But Ava's dead. That's crazy, Angela. It's the truth. Somebody's trying to kill me, just like they murdered Ava. Angela, what is all this nonsense? It isn't just nonsense. Somebody wants to murder me. What were you doing down by the port? Just bumming around. You're having an affair with her, aren't you? (laughs) I was with Manuela. You're not jealous of Manuela, are you, Angela? I couldn't care less about the woman you go with. Manuela is the niece of the old Countessa, who owns all of this. The bungalows, the club, the grounds, everything. I've known Manuela since we were kids. We used to play together all the time. Now I take orders from her. Some very quick thanks. Uh, thanks a load to loads of people on Twitter. Uh, Beardy Freak, who is at Grindhouse Dave, who's constantly pushed the podcast that has been brilliant that he has been. Also a load to at Uncle Chap, at Samoku, uh, that's with two O's. At uh, Andy Lonsdale twenty one, and at Anthony Smith MCR, all very kindly have said hello and talked about their own interests in the um, in in the films and and, and and where they are and and, and given their feelings about that time as well and, and how they felt about you know picking up under what what, what quickly pick under the counter culture kind of uh, video nasties, which was. Um, you know, you need to know a guy who worked there and they kept them back there for the friend, really. So they could, you know, marvel in some of the more grisly sites on offer. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My uh, my website is videonastiespodcast.com. There's uh, links to all the podcasts, to trailers as well of all the films as they come up, and various other bits and bobs. Or you can email me at video podcast at gmail.com or indeed you can get me on my private twitter which is at orange underscore monkey next week we're going to do um the cannibal man which um first off i'd say is a good quality movie um one of the better ones and also not a film about cannibalism as well but uh, has the most striking from cover we've gone from um you know kind of fake kind of indications of violence to just the most brutal cover probably of the entire list almost far you know worse than than um cannibal holocaust i think and a a very rare video nasty as well but we'll get into all that uh, next week so until then take care and i'll speak to you soon goodbye I've never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Never oh, seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.